We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. I just like the sound. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Super Bowl Fallout. VM style, your boy Lamb here, Alan here, little new setup if you guys are tuning in on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash veterans minimum. Alan has the super horny mic because he has the cover over there looking very, very professional. Alan, what it do? Man, very good Super Bowl. Yeah, you think so? I know at first there wasn't a lot of explosive plays, but... Even Tyreek Hill is going to sh- pop up at some point. Third and 15, nevertheless. Mm, yeah, we're going to get to all that for sure. Alan also has uh, sort of pulled a, a Conor McGregor post <laughs> post weigh-ins. You know, you see Alan one week, and he looks completely different, and then he does the buzz cut. What's up with that? Are you ter- turning heel on us? No, just winter. My ears get very fragile, so I like wearing beanies in the winter, and I don't want to worry about having long hair. So I know it sounds like a super diva thing. I'm not diva. It's just my ears get very fragile, and I just hate the cold. So I do this every winter, although it was a little late this year, but it'll grow back by April. 
Yeah, yeah, you'll be all right. Right right around when March Madness kicks in, you'll probably have a little flow going. There we go. All right, dude, we have a lot to get to. Um, I have some takes. I have a lot of takes. Um, I don't know if I feel the same way you do about the Super Bowl. I don't think it was... I'd give it a B plus. I think the ending was good. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we get distracted by that. And what I mean by that is, you know, I hate to do this. I'm not being a dick, but... The Super Bowl you guys played in. I thought it was very lackluster until the fourth quarter. It oh. was a blowout. <laughs> I know a lot of people would disagree with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm talking about from a Falcon standpoint. But I, I just think like it wasn't an inner. Well, of course, yeah. I just it, think it, it, it was one sided, it was what I was saying, for three quarters. But you judge sometimes off like how big a moment is. Like you look at the Rob Ball for pick six, the Hooper touchdown, Tevin Coleman touch. Like there were still some big moments. And in this game, we saw some big things as well. Like I really loved watching Debo Samuel. Who would have thought Debo Samuel would have been the, like, the main uh, leader in rushing yards for the Niners? I love the way Shan was using them. So at least, I know sometimes games are one side, but if there are enough big moments, like I mentioned with the Seattle Denver Super Bowl, like I love that Super Bowl just because there were so many crazy moments. And even though it was a blowout, still I give praise to Seattle for being so dominant. So I don't really mind games if they're one side, if the, the team that's doing it is producing like explosive plays and they're just, you know, they look overall impressive. All right. Let me get to this rundown. Did the San Francisco 49ers lose this game or did the Chiefs win this game? And and give me give me a percentage and you're not allowed to say 50-50. Oh, 49ers lost it. What would be your percentage split? 70-30. Okay, I was going to say 65-35, but I'm being super extra. But I, I agree with you. So why? Why do you feel that way? You look at the last, well, this is the fourth quarter in general, Jimmy Garoppolo was 3 for 11. Of course, through interception, and just you would think after Mahomes threw behind Terry Hill on that slant, I thought, okay, same friend, it's a wrap. The clock, yeah, just get a few first downs, keep to using play action because Garoppolo was very effective off play action, which is not a surprise because if you watch a Kyle Shanahan offense, play action is a huge focal point of what they do with all the misdirection. Debo Samuel was really active, and George Kittle made a couple of plays. But it's just, they just couldn't make enough plays. Because they actually didn't run the ball that great. Most of was kind of not factor. Maybe Tevin Coleman had a couple of flashes. But the offense line wasn't getting a lot of movement. But it's just, they were really effective off play action. Or using Debo Samuel on reverses. But it's just, they need just to convert a few third downs. And it just it never happened. I thought Debo Samuel at halftime was the leading candidate for MVP for the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, who could dispute that? Yeah, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was like 18 to 21 at some point, but no throw was memorable. Ironically, the only throw that was memorable got brought back for OPI, which we should talk about that. So was that OPI? I don't think it should be, but in today's day and age, it's going to be because when you extend the arms like that, like Kittle did, it looks very blatant. And it sh you should look at what the impact is like. But the thing is, in real time, you can't, like the refs can't see it. Yeah. Like, I don't think the push up was that significant. But the way he like his, the way he looked, the way it just looked really blatant. And in that scenario, reps are gonna do it. The issue is, last two minutes and a half. Like I think if it was six minutes left, Shannon challenges that, and he might get it. But it's just officiating so inconsistent these days. So it's I don't know. But when you extend your arms like that, you're asking for trouble, and Kittle got punished. Yeah, it's one of those things. So what we mean by that, if you guys are watching this video, whether it's on Instagram or on YouTube, this is okay. As my knee, my my knee. That, that'd be weird if my knee was this high. Yeah. But as my elbow is like this, yeah. this is okay. 
Like I can, I could shove Allen away like that. Yeah. But when it's the full extension thing, Which it's he the did. same. It's the same thing they say about like holding, right? There's mm-hmm. holding on every single play. Right. You could call it. So what happens is if there's holding and we're both engaged like that, yeah. if you go to slip off me, if Allen goes to slip away and I extend and I'm holding it, mm-hmm. well, they're gonna call holding. That's why they tell you as an offensive lineman, they the area underneath the armpits is where you want to engage. Exactly. And if you have the guy and you're controlling him right there, when he goes to shimmy away, you gotta let him go. Mm-hmm. That's why Kyle Rudolph didn't get called for OPI against so the So I was going to say, though, yeah. I I thought that Kyle Rudolph was way worse of an OPI Ooh. than the one. But they were hand fighting, like both of them. This yeah. was more just Sorensen was at position. He kind of got beat. Like, I don't even think Kittle had to push off. Yeah, that's the thing that's the most upsetting, but it's man. it's so natural. Yeah. So I, I think it, it that's going to get called, but it's one of those rules where you just hate it. But that's... The way NFL is now, just you, these players—they don't have much margin for error when it comes to being physical, unless both players are hand fighting. What took so long to get Mostert involved? How come Coleman started the game? Which, by the way, I think big ups to him for even playing because I thought he separate wasn't shoulder. Gonna, I didn't think that he'd be able to play in, yeah. in that. Shan's running back rotations are always unpredictable. Like you saw Jeffrey Wilson getting snaps. Yeah, Matt Breida, no love yeah, for Matt Breida. Matt Breida played like eight injuries last year. Like this guy can't get a snap in the Super Bowl. Like, you remember every week last year, Matt Breida, uh, questionable with a uh, ankle, knee, abdomen. Like he had every injury possible last year. But what are you gonna do? Shan's just very unpredictable when it comes to that. I really think that Kittle, that that entire last minute and a half of the first half is probably my biggest talking point of the Super Bowl. And I think I think the Niners were so worried about Pat Mahomes in that offense that they didn't call timeout. And the reason why I say that is when they punt to them, right, and 34 seconds goes off the clock, yeah. you clearly see John Lynch is in the crowd. He's, like, yelling timeout. You know, he's up in the press box. Mm-hmm. Oh, there was, like, 59 seconds left. Well, when yeah. they punted, but they mm-hmm. made the stop with like a minute 34. Right, right, right. exactly. Right? Yeah. So they're all calling for timeout. And, you know, the, the big rule uh, amongst football people is, you know, you never want to go into half or end the game with all your timeouts. You want to utilize them. Mm-hmm. But I do think that the important thing to remember is, you know, we've seen this Chiefs offense just put up points in bunches, right? The comparison of the Golden State Warriors uh everyone has everyone's starting to make it now i made it like week four last year so yes i'm gonna pat myself on the back because why not so they could put up points in bunches man and i felt as if shanahan didn't want to give the ball back to pat mahomes obviously they end up throwing that one pass to like jeff wilson who picks up like 30 yards Mm -hmm. which was you know it was a check down and then he just so happened to pick up all those plays those yards and then the ensuing play or maybe the play after is the the bomb to kittle which, you know, if that gets called, they probably get a field goal out of that. You're 13-3. They're in the red zone. 13-10 yeah. going into halftime as opposed to being tied. But I think, and tell me how you feel about this, I think the reason why Shanahan went about the end of the first half scenario is because of the fear that that fucking guy Mahomes puts in people's hearts. That and the fact that I don't think he trusts Jimmy Garoppolo. I really don't think he does. Oh, I was waiting to see if that was a take. I don't think he does. And someone brought up the Ravens game, which I know the weather wasn't great, but they had a similar scenario against the Ravens in the first half, and they still ran the ball out. You know, they ran the clock out. And we talk about the Ravens, yeah, just you know, one of the most feared offenses in the league. I think you look at, especially in the first half, like he threw an ugly interception. He should have just taken that side. Chris Jones, who was abusing that interior line, which 
you know, you want to talk about Pat Stoll back? Oh, I admit I called that one. Uh, Chris Jones. <laughs> the I got arm you, bro. I got you, bro. <laughs> Look, I knew that was a mismatch. Like, San Fran, okay, they could run the ball, and Shannon has this great, you know, schematically, he knows how to get front sevens at position, but individually, just though, San Fran's offense line, not all that great, and Chris Jones is one of the top interior pass rushers, and what do you see? He goes arm over Ben Garland, hits Jimmy G, and Jimmy G just throws a duck in the air, but Sean Breland picks it off. So he just looked rattled from the beginning. And I was a little shocked Kansas City didn't blitz more until, ironically, the fourth quarter, Spags dialed up a real good delayed blitz. I think Sorensen hit Garoppolo, which forced you know big third down stuff. But I just think the lack of faith in Jimmy G was really proven in this one, and I think that's the main reason for it. You know, after the game, Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, excuse me, said they asked him about Jimmy G's performance, and he said it was all right. Now, let me paint a scenario for you. Say you and your plus one go on vacation together. Okay. And I see you two out at a bar. And I go, hey, so how was your vacation? And she's standing right next to you. And you go, oh, it was all right. You don't think she's going to get a little upset at you? going to be aggravated. She's going to be aggravated. You're going to yeah. hear about it. So Shannon had to come out and just be like, oh, it was all right. I don't think that's going to go well with Jimmy G. I think Jimmy G is kind of in that scenario where golf is. These guys got significantly paid they're getting paid like high-priced quarterbacks and they failed to deliver on the biggest stage now unlike golf Garoppolo doesn't have much of a resume when it comes to delivering big games okay the Saints game this year was one at least golf for all the criticism I give him he delivered against the Chiefs Vikings NFC championship against the Saints like he's had big moments Garoppolo like he threw less than 20 passes against the Packers and Vikings like we want to talk about quarterback having a free ride to Super Bowl like he couldn't have had an easier ride when you look at it and that's no slight image just San Fran was that dominant but it's just this was a moment where you really wanted to see him shine and I just consistently not he never really made any big time throws okay he has some successful play action but you want let's look at the last drive Emmanuel Sanders gets behind the secondary mm. openings right there misses him a third down a Kittle it's all over Twitter now. Terrell Suggs was covering Kittle. Misses it, throws it over, I think trying to get Kendrick Bourne. It's just there's times where whether it's not reading the defense properly or just overthrowing his receivers, it came back to cost him. And I was telling you this year, there are a lot of moments where Jimmy G was fortunate not to get picked off more than a Seattle Monday night game. I was just like, God, he looks so lost. Now people say, okay, Kittle didn't play. But it's just at some point you need your quarterback to elevate the players around them and you just need to make some big-time throws, and he just never did. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't disagree with anything that you're saying there. But I do think that it's, man, the game is so crazy. Like, even if you're following the game on Twitter, too, which yesterday I spent a lot of time on my phone. And we'll get to that in a little. Actually, let's get to it right now. I spent, like, close to 10 hours on my phone yesterday. Oh, that's a Super Bowl. Yeah, I know. But that's still, that, like, really is not healthy. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm following it, right? And it's, like, you know, the tale of two halves. Or even, like, 75-25, right? People are burying Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Mahomes, he didn't look all that at he all. He was pressing. The, yeah. You look at that of, first drive. I, there was a little wheel route to Williams. He just threw like a fastball. Nowhere close. I'm like, oh. And then you look at the Tyreek Hill interception. That was five people around him. Yeah. Well, and just missing guys low, missing guys high. The opening drive was a three and out. And it, like he one hopped, skipped the pass over to Damian Williams. And I think Mahomes looked really rattled. And people were starting to say, oh, is he a guy that at the moment might be too big for him and whatnot? And then the Niners are controlling uh, the pace and, and everything. And, you know, great play calling, too, I think, for for the Chiefs. Like, I think the enemy should get a lot of credit. 
I know that video is going around. It was like 1948, the Rose Bowl, yeah. Michigan did something. But, but I just think understanding like, all right, yo, Mahomes doesn't have it right now. He's just missing his guys. Like he still might have the jitters and whatnot. You know, a lot of people say about the Super Bowl, it's something that unless you've gotten there, one advantage that the Patriots have had all these years is that they've been to so many Super Bowls that they know that, you know, you're going to warm up at five o'clock, but then there's going to be like a 45 minute period where you're going to have to go back and they're going to do the the hundred greatest players of all time ceremony. And then there's going to be the uh, Yolanda Adams, right? I yeah. Think that was, yeah, she does. Uh, um God bless America, and then and it's Demi like Lovato. Demi Lovato, and then there's a coin toss ceremony. Yeah. It's like, all right, you're gonna need to get riled up again for another 45 minutes. Right. So that's an advantage that the Patriots have had over the years mm-hmm. in Super Bowls. But I think with Mahomes, you just see that it was a guy who was just shaky, rusty in the beginning. But again, man, it's like the Golden State Warriors. They hit that one three from like 35 feet, and then they go on that like nine all run. Mm-hmm. And then you look at what happened with Mahomes. I think that play to Tyreek Hill was the biggest play of the game. Yeah, third and 15, put Hill in the slot, huge coverage bust by San Fran. And he got hit. I think Bosa was the one, which Bosa, he was just getting pressured. The second half, because I was wondering the first half, I'm like, San Fran really isn't getting a lot of pressure. But then you saw Buckner and Bosa. Those two are really getting after it. And Bosa, he had the clean strip. And Bosa could have had like three sacks. But I thought Mahomes did a really good job of maneuvering a pocket, having a good feel of when the pressure was coming, when he, he knew when to scramble, he knew when to get out. That's something that I think Garoppolo kind of struggled with, you know, not just the interception, but at times with Garoppolo either, you know, didn't escape the pocket or he was just not getting it out quickly. I just There's a difference between both quarterbacks when it comes to just reading defenses and knowing where your second or third t- option is. And, as you saw, with especially like getting Sammy Watkins involved, I had a feeling Sammy Watkins was going to shine a little bit. And to see Sammy Watkins make a couple plays, including just roasting Sherman, just beautiful release at the line of scrimmage and getting him. You know, Sammy Watkins, he might be uh, taking the year off, but man, he went out with a bang if he did. Bro, he took the year off this year, too. He had three good games in 19. Hey, won a Super Bowl. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, just me, me versus Sammy Watkins. I think in the playoffs, he's had, I think someone saw a stat. I think our buddy Arif Hassan posted, like, he had like 338 yards from week five to like week 16. And in the playoffs, he had like 228 yards in three games. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. Uh, 16 million a year. I'm, I'm glad he showed up. 75 yard touchdown was against the Texans, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the Titans. Those Titans, the Titans, Titans yeah. 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 Okay, so I think I want to go, I want to go back a little bit to that first half because. We talk about the OPI, right? But I also think that if you're looking at that game, it was a game in which the Niners, despite not playing that well in the first half, they had the game tied, and I couldn't believe that. You know, like I didn't think Garoppolo is 18 of 21 at one point, and Impy, shout out to Impy, but I thought it was an awful take. He's like, dude, he's the MVP right now. He's 18 of 21. It's like he has three incomplete passes. It's like, yeah, but there wasn't no memorable pass. Like he didn't make any plays or any tight one. He just wasn't really put in that scenario because Shannon just knows how to scheme it up. Like you saw a lot. Like I think on play action, I think 60% of it was shout out to Steven Ruiz who wrote this great piece. He said, like, Garoppolo's 11 for 12 off play action. That was, like, the majority of passes. But when you saw, when he had to drop back, especially when they were down, Garoppolo was 3 for 11 in the fourth quarter. So once he had to be more of a drop back passer, that's when the problems arose. I have uh, I have some stats here about um the Super Bowls. This is the first Super Bowl. Um, Sorry, only four other times has a team won a Super Bowl after being down 10. In the fourth quarter. 
Can you name them? Well, there's one obvious one. Sorry. <laughs> what are the other three? The other one um, was... What, the Eagles, maybe? It was the Patriots and Seahawks. Ooh. There was another one in the 70s. Oh, um, I don't have it in front of me right now. And then it was... It was the I've never seen the Eagles. No? Oh, okay. The Eagles and the... Maybe Patriots, because I remember that was like a little bit... I think at one point it was a double digit. Maybe I'm wrong. But. In the fourth quarter? Yeah, the last, that crazy Super Bowl, but I might be wrong. So the the Chiefs do something that's only been done, you know, four other times in the history of football. What about, like, they're up, they're up 10 in the fourth quarter, and we talked about the Tyree Kill interception, which I get the ball is behind them, but, dude, you got to catch that. Yeah, I... I could see it, from, but I thought it was just at that moment you expected him in rhythm. So yeah. I put way more on Mahomes than Tyreek. So was the was the third and fifteen play on that drive? Oh man, so we gotta look at the box score. What's right. the play by play? Right, no, I don't think so actually because I, 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 I think, think they scored in the red zone with the, when they scored with Kelsey. Kelsey, yeah, right, right, right. Okay, so you have you get the ball back and there's ten minutes left and you're the Niners and you're up ten. I. I was looking at the live betting for the Chiefs, and it was like they were plus 320 to win that game after that interception, right? They come back from commercial breaks. And I'm saying to myself, and I look to my pops, and I'm I'm thinking, you know, they haven't shown me anything, right? With the Texans, at least the Chiefs had, you know, there was a block punt. Kelsey drops a first down like four yards away from Demarcus Robinson Robinson drops a a, a down and in. So it's like, at least there I can see it and I could say, all right, you know what? They're just not making plays. They're not catching the ball. Whereas yesterday for the Super Bowl, I didn't feel as if Kansas city was going to come roaring back. And, you know, everyone's putting a lot of blame on Kyle Shanahan where dude, first of all, he wasn't the head coach in the Falcons. But, (laughs) The last two fourth quarters. Did you see this number? The last two fourth quarters in Super Bowls. They've, you got scored what? Forty six nothing. Yeah, that's you that's can't, you can't discuss. And, <laughs> and if you're an offensive genius, which he is, yeah, dude, how do you? What do you make of that, man? What is it? Want, oh, I'm, I'm trying. To, I don't want to try to remember the Atlanta Super Bowl, but it's. Just, I think this is some unfortunate matters. Like you look at what Garoppolo, um, that third and five, Kittle was wide open. You, I, they ran like a bunch formation. He was open. Terrell Suggs was literally dropped into coverage. Kittle was running right past him. Garoppolo misses him. Throws a throw, overthrows Kendrick Bourne on a corner, and then look at the Sanders Sanders play. Sanders got behind the secondary. That's a throw you have to make. You hit that. It's either a touchdown or down to five. So those are two big moments right there. Then he took a sack on fourth down. It's fourth down. You gotta figure a better way to, uh, you know, just to somewhat make a play. I just he looked rattled. I just think sometimes you gotta look at personnel. You know, maybe you could have made some adjustments here or there, but just I think Garoppolo, he's very limited as a downfield pass, and you could tell he was rattled throughout that game. So I don't know what to make of that. You know, I want to get on like a twenty man diatribe about the Falcons Super Bowl, but if you look at yesterday, I really think a lot of it should go on Jimmy Garoppolo rather than Kyle Shan. The only thing I'll be very critical of Kyle Shan of is end the sec- end of the first half. To me, you just have to take that chance, regardless of how you feel about your quarterback. You have three timeouts. You got to push, especially if you go up against an opponent like this. You know, I know your defense is arguably the best in the league, but you have to push, especially they have playmakers like Sanders, Samuel, Kittle. These are guys a lot of teams would like to have. So I, that's one thing I'll really be critical of Shannon of. But when it comes to the fourth down or fourth quarter, excuse me, because people were looking at it, oh, they only had 
12 pass attempts and four runs. Like, what kind of ratio is that? First off, I think seven of those passes were when they were trailing. Mm. So you want to look at it, I think five passes, four runs. And look, when you have a lead, so, okay, so it's twenty and ten with what seven minutes left. Everyone's like saying, "Run the ball." You have to get first downs. Yeah, you have to get at least two or three first downs. Everyone's talking about running the ball. If you're not efficient on first, second down, you're gonna have to throw the ball at some point. So that's why people are talking about, "Oh, I should have ran the ball." It's like. First of all, they weren't really even that effective running ball. Let's deal with saying was come on a reverse or a jet sweep. They weren't all that effective. So I, I can't think of a memorable play from the Niners unless it went uh, against their favor. Like the plays I think of when I think of the Niners, it's like the Kittle offensive mm-hmm. pass interference, missing Sanders. Besides, and the rounds to Debo Samuel. Yeah. I think Coleman had one cutback where it was like 20 yards, but it's like first quarter. And I think most are one run where I remember he got into open field and that Honey Badger, I was like, oh, can Honey Badger bring down? Credit the Honey Badger. He made that open field tackle. Salute to him. We got definitely a talk about him. But yeah, it just they weren't really effective. They had a couple of dick dunks, but Frank Clark said it best. It's like your quarterback needs to do more than get 200 yards off check downs. I'm like, he's kind of right, Frank Clark. I know Frank Clark has earned a bit of reputation for being a loudmouth, but you can't really dispute it when you watch the game. I just think Garoppolo at this point, he's going to – him and now he enters that Jared Goff category where it's like are you going to ascend? Are you going to be more than a system quarterback? Because right now – you call him a system quarterback. You call him a glorified game manager, which, you know, I, mean, I was getting a little heated last night. I called Jimmy Garoppolo a glorified game manager. Might be a little harsh. It was late. But he's definitely someone that I can't depend on to carry my team when it matters most because he didn't do it, and he hasn't really done it this season. When you look at the losses to Seattle and Baltimore. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Ah, uh, yes. We're now going to take a break, guys, to tell you about a brand new sponsor for the program. And this one hits close to home because if you know anything about me, I'm a piece of shit. I am a degenerate and bet online. Welcome. Fear not, everybody. Blue Wire is excited to partner up with bet online to help you win big no matter the time of the year. If you missed your chance to bet on the Super Bowl between the Chiefs and the Niners, we got March Madness. We got the Masters, a little golf. I know some of you are into golf. Some of you have reached out and said, hey, Lamb, are you going to talk about golf? Probably not, but if I could bet on it, I'll make it work. Major League opening day is right around the corner. Bet Online has you covered for all your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Plus, if you guys are like me, I'm already looking to lay that 80 to 1 odds on the New York Football Giants, baby. Lay down your future bet for Super Bowl 2021. Head over to betonline.ag. Use our promo code blue wire to revive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit it's super easy and you're already making wagers it's a fantastic way to support my show and blue wire again the promo code is blue wire b-l-u-e-w-i-r-e or one word when you sign up at betonline.ag bring your best bets home with bet online your online sports book experts all right let's get into the Chiefs side because i do feel like we spent a lot about the bad of what the san francisco 49ers did and i think we got to show love to the kansas city chiefs who i do want to say um again going to pat myself on the back uh they were my afc pick all year i stayed true to it i doubled down uh, my guy, shout out to my guy, Rick Rosen. He tweeted out how I texted him in October and I was like, dude, 
when Mahomes was not out for the year, we should double down on the Chiefs. I liked them before the Patriot game also. This was a team who, again, I say this all the time, recency bias is one hell of a drug. We forgot just how good the Chiefs were coming into this year, all because, you know, again, Mahomes and his knee looking all fucked up on that one game and him coming back and, like, Tyree Kill came back off a shoulder injury and the defense wasn't, you know, Honey Badger came out in the post game and he said, you know, the last 10 weeks, we've really been a top defense and no one's really showing us credit. Yeah. You know, they they had a lot of new pieces, man. Him, Frank Clark, Clark. they had to p- put... um. Some young guys in there, like Breland. Dude, Breland balled out. Breland, oh, Breland came from Green Bay. Yeah, yeah he was former yeah, Redskin. Right. You know, and uh, Spags dialing it up. Obviously, Chris Jones missed some time mm-hmm. also, and he comes back. So this was a team, man, that was really, really coming together on all sides of the ball. And Honey Badger, dude, I want to show that guy love because he's one of my favorite players in the league, and he's been one of my favorite mm-hmm. players in the league for a very, very long time. I was tweeting out how, like, that dude's thirty for thirty is gonna be wild when they do it one day. That story, especially given you know his family background, just you know coming out of LSU, a lot of teams were turned off by him, and now look at him. Yeah, he got he got his relationship with Patrick Peterson is really what got him into the league. Right. You know, people were scared off by him, and Patrick Peterson went to the Cardinals and they were like, "Yo, look, I'm gonna have him under my wing. If this kid's gonna be successful, if he has someone like me to." sort of hold his hand like this dude went through a lot of trials and tribulations and a lot of crazy shit got kicked out of lsu and was the best player in college football so and then he bounced around and even the multiple season ending injuries right right and and this you know coming into this year too did did we see the best of honey badger and he got paid by the Chiefs, so people were a little skeptical about that but man that dude's just a flat-out baller Honey Badger. All across the field. And I love how vocal he was. He was coming. It's like, this, is, this isn't this is our standard. I love that. Because they now set a bar. Can't say it was his defense. It was bent, don't break. Now, you know, getting guys like him and Frank Clark, these guys established things. Like, no, we're going to play to this level. We're not. We can't depend on the offense to put up 31 points every game. Because look what happens. You play a stout defense like San Fran. They start struggling. You have to take more of the initiative. So, yeah, cruise to the front four. I thought Spags called a really good game. Even the linebackers who have been kind of a liability. Anthony Hitchens, who's kind of a down year. Uh, Jamil Wilson's another player. The linebackers, I thought, played better than I expected as well. So, yeah, I gave him a lot of praise on the preview, and I thought, once again, they kind of delivered the Chiefs defense, limiting Derrick Henry to, what, 69 yards. I thought Houston's offense really didn't do a whole lot, even though, even though they got off to a big lead, which is more of like a freak thing. Stephens, if they were going to take the next step, they needed to develop because last year, that's what held them back. Like, you look at that game, Edelman and Gronk just pretty mm-hmm. much, those two of Brady pretty much beat them. Now, defense came together and credit to him. But, man, if we have to talk about anyone else, it's Andy Reid. 222 career wins. Finally gets the Super Bowl win. Okay, so I, I had that in my notes about oh. Andy Reid. Um, have you ever been happier for a dude to win that you have no affiliation to? Because I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, yo, you know what? No one has said anything bad about the dude. Everyone loves him. Mm-hmm. He's been building something for a very long time. And he's been consistent, yeah. dude. He's up there for soccer fans will appreciate this. Him and Jurgen Klopp. When Jurgen Klopp won the Champions League last year at Liverpool, even though I know he's won the Bundesliga with Borussia Dortmund in the past, when I saw him win the Champions League for a fan base like Liverpool, that was a special moment. I was just so happy because he's one of the most lovable people just sports period. But a guy like Andy Reid, someone that just had so much success in Philadelphia, and he really earned the respect of that fan base, which everyone knows fan mm-hmm. base where it's very hard to earn respect. And for him to get replaced by Chip Kelly, which will now kind of be frowned upon, even though Philly's got their Super Bowl or whatever. 
but just to come to Kansas City and just the setbacks, I know you love Andrew Luck. That Colts playoff game was probably one of the most grueling losses I think I've ever seen in my life. Colts playoff game, right? Countless times losing as a favorite, right? Losing to the Steelers with Alex Smith. Losing to the Patriots. And look, I know everyone lost to the Patriots. Um, Losing to the Patriots once with Alex Smith, once with Pat Mahomes at home. Being a guy who the moment was too big for him and he would always fuck up time management. and That's always been one knock. You know, like his playoff resume was always, you know, there was an asterisk because like, you know, he would go into halves with all these timeouts or like Mm -hmm. he'd do a dumb challenge or something or or like a horrendous, he'd punt when he shouldn't. And it's like little things like that. But I think... Because the NFC Championship, remember from the early 2000s, they lost the Rams, Panthers, and Bucks. I might have got the order, but those they, are the three. They went and then, to five straight NFC title games yeah, in the early 2000s. Like that, that, that era. Of, then they beat Vic and the Falcons, but then they lost the Patriots Super Bowl. And then right. that's when things started teetering. That's when the whole TL fiasco happened. Right. And, you know, he's, he's a dude that would take chances on guys. And, yo, something else that I remembered, his coaching tree is absurd oh, it's ridiculous you know john harbaugh super bowl winner uh doug peterson super bowl winner ron rivera ron rivera sean mcdermott yeah right um uh matt nagy, matt nagy yeah. right I-, I think that's a trubisky issue that he has <laughs> but you know it's like all these dudes that he's helped turn into premier coaches and, yeah. and stable coaches yeah. right like as-, as someone who his team has had three well four head coaches in five seasons Having stability at that position is is huge, man. Because you could bring in your guys, you could bring in your personnel, you could bring in your scouting department, and if you're just having constant turtle, and it's not good for young guys, you know, it's not good for Baker Mayfield's going to have his fourth offensive coordinator in four years. Like that's not a good look for him. A lot of times, these dudes, man, and you know, Allen and I just put this out there right now. We're working on our top five, top twenty-five quarterbacks of the two thousands. We got this dope ass layout. It's in the background right now on the big board. But one of the main talking points that we have on that is, dude. Roster construction and organization, I think, is a big part of someone's success because, all right, it's dope, right? You're Joe Burrow. You're going to be the number one pick in the draft. Congrats. But you're also going to one of the more shitty situations that you could be in. So it's a gift and a curse. When you're the number one pick, it's dope. You're going to get paid. You're going to be the main talking point for the entire year, really. Like Kyler Murray won Rookie of the Year, and I didn't think he was Rookie of the Year. Uh, AJ Brown, Josh Jacobs, they have every right to be aggrieved. You know, and even like Gardner Minshew had better numbers than he did and more wins. Uh, I would I, take Murray over Minshew. And I was being the drum for Minshew, but he faded bad. I, I know. I know. But like Kyler Murray. Kyler uh, looks solid this year, but I think someone <laughs> like Josh Jacobs or A.J. Brown. Have, yeah, I thought it was a shoe-in for Josh Jacobs. I couldn't believe that it wasn't, yeah. honestly. I think this December, once again, we talk about recency bias. Kind yeah, of got injured. Jacobs got injured yeah. and kind of you know disappeared. But you know, going back to that, man, I think it's very important to consider these situations that these guys get into. And like a guy like Andy Reid, dude, they've been building this shit in Kansas City for a while. Like they get Alex Smith, right? Who I can't even remember who the quarterback was before him. <sighs> I was gonna say Trent Green. It's definitely not Trent. No, Green. it's definitely not. Oh, uh, Brody Croyle. Yo, it might have been. Yikes. It might, it might have been, but it was like, it was a legend. Like they yeah. had a legend at court and they get Alex Smith and look, I know Alex Smith, he didn't do it for me, but he was a guy that could win games. He was efficient. He would get him a, to a d- divisional round playoff game and whatnot. And, you know, they always had like, you know, they had, uh, 
Jamal Charles. They had Tony Gonzalez way back in the past, and they've been built. I know Gonzalez is way after, um, you know, Andy Reid, but you know they were building to something. And then you know Pat Mahomes falls to their lap. And the cool thing about Pat Mahomes is this was a guy who they traded up to get. They were willing to do something that not a lot of teams do, bro. If you draft a guy in the first round nowadays, it's like you need to you need to play, or yeah. else it's one of those things where. You know, like I, I'm sure you'll get a kick out of this when you when you're going through NBA draft stuff. If you draft a junior who's 20 years old, 21, it's like, well, there's some red flags with him because how come he didn't come out as a freshman? Yeah, you know, and it's like, yo, it's okay to sit a guy mm-hmm. and let him learn, and then you make the decision, like, yo, you know what, this kid, we 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 obviously know more than you do about him, and you move on from a guy like Alex Smith, and they've been, you know, they, I, I really, I really liked them winning for Travis Kelsey also, who's been a part of, you know, 10 win seasons all he's his career. There, yeah. You know, he's been there through the thick and thin with mm-hmm. this franchise. And it's, it's dope. One of those lifers, chief lifers, a guy that's been there for so long to get that win. Cause he's been through all this turnover. Nothing you have to consider the defense. They had a lot of playmakers, but they just decided we're not going to keep him. They didn't want to deal with Marcus Peters anymore. Justin Houston's contract got too expensive. Uh, D four. They didn't want to pay him. They have had some big-time Pro Bowlers, and you know I know they got Honey Badger, Frank Clark to bring him in, but still, like to lose that talent, these are players that made a huge difference in those previous seasons before Mahomes took over. Although you know last year you won't look at that, but like you know they trade Peters, and then they're like Justin Houston, there were too many games he was injured, and D Four was too inconsistent. They just said, all right, enough, because you look at the defense, it's not a lot of stars, but with that and better coaching, you know it works wonders. And I think the one thing we need to consider with Andy Reid all those years that he had all these mishaps, he didn't have a guy like Mahomes. Well, Mahomes, look, I know everyone makes fun of the term generational talent, but that's what he is. He's unique. Yeah. One of one. Because there's been a lot of greats, but he's one of one. Yeah. 87 touchdown passes in his first two seasons, which is absolutely ridiculous. And he missed some time, mm-hmm. right? He missed some time. And he's just a guy who... You know, you talk about the tale of two tapes, a tale of two quarterback head coach pairings where uh, he's all right. He did all right. And there was clearly there's no trust in Garoppolo from Kyle Shanahan. Andy Reid comes out and goes, hey, man, we're down 10. And I told Pat, like, sling it. Like, (laughs) we're going down. You brought us here. We're going down. And you're like, yo, if you're if you're a dude, if you're Pat Mahomes and you're hearing that, you're like, damn, son, I haven't really had a great game. I haven't really had. I've kind of been letting my team down. Like, I'm not playing at that level. And my coach would just be like, yo, fuck it, sling it. I think that's that's goes to show you about that relationship. I also want to give another shout-out to uh, Mitchell Schwartz, who PFF posted great stat. 103 pass snaps uh, that, you know, he's gone up against. He hasn't allowed a single pressure, and he's gone up against some pass pressures. Like, he to completely neutralized D. Ford and Eric Armstead in yesterday's game. And he's been one of the premier right tackles for years. I think him and Lane Johnson are probably the top two. And Ryan Ramchek from New Orleans. But Mitchell Schwartz has been someone that's been kind of – little under the radar but he first started being more talked about when he was actually the first guy to start stopping von miller and mm-hmm. like when von miller would go up against him he would just shut him down and over time you know the rise of twitter one of the beautiful things about twitter is that you really have now you have analysts in like every position but offensive line twitter they're very dedicated they get a little annoying but offensive line twitter they are very much you know they grind the tape, and they will. If, you, if they see someone that's playing at a super high level, they will just post clips and they will highlight it. And Mitchell Schwartz has been someone doing it for years, and he's another one that deserves to get you know this accolade. Being a champion is something that 
you know, he's deserved for a long time. So, and that's a Chiefs offense line that doesn't have a lot of stars. Like Eric Fisher has been kind of a bust, but you know, gang someone like Mitchell Schwartz, it shows you the significance of getting a right tackle because I think now we're seeing in the league that having a very good right tackle is just as important as left tackle. It's not just about protecting the blind side because you see a lot of teams they'll use the edge rusher on the left side now. They'll put their premier guy whether it's Cleo Mack or Von Miller. So, you know, salute to Mitchell Schwartz. What does this do for Andy Reid's legacy? You think? I think it just solidifies. I think everyone knows Andy Reid's always been an exceptional coach. He's one of the best out there. Like when you put together, even without a Super Bowl, like going to the season or going to two, three years ago, you know, if you're putting together a top five list of current coaches, Andy Reid's going to make your top five just based on consistency. Now he just solidifies himself as, you know, Hall of Famer or whatever you want to phrase it. Like, you know, 222 career wins in this league and just his longevity. It's just it's crazy. Like he's only been fired once, and I think it's just because they need to change the scenery. He didn't crash out like Mike McCarthy or Harbaugh. He's just someone that just with Philly. I think it just they need. It to ran change its course, bro. Yeah. He was there for fourteen yeah. years. Like and, it's no, it's no different than what happens with like Tom Coughlin. Eventually, your mm-hmm. message grows stale, and but, you just need some turnover. The thing is, like he didn't crash out. Like some coaches, like I look at Mike McCarthy. He completely bombed out, and he had and they he deserved to get fired. Like I thought he just completely floundered with that team. Andy Reid, there's a reason why Kansas City brought him in immediately. They're like, all right, this guy's still a very good coach. And I think Kansas City was at a time where they were in a major rebuild, and he comes in, and look, he just immediately brings them to the playoffs, 10-win seasons every year. And it was a, it was a long process. There was a lot of suffering. There was a lot of, look, Alex Smith simply isn't the guy that's going to take us over the top. And look, they trade up. They they saw Buffalo had, I forgot what exact pick was. I don't know if it was a 10th pick or a 12th pick, but they Paid off. Ironically, Tredavious White was the corner looking at it. So, obviously, Buffalo not getting Mahomes. It's their, their organization between them and Chicago. That those two franchises are like we really miss. Dude, them. what about there was a report uh, after the MVP season? You know who really wanted Pat Mahomes? Sean Payton, Ben McAdoo also. Oh, and Giants brass said that Eli Manning still has a lot left in the tank. That could have been me. That could have been my moment. <laughs> it could have been my pat. Yeah, pat, know, come back. back. I, I know Sean. I don't know if Sean was interested in him. He was interested in Lamar Jackson, but I know Sean Payton. But look, teams, you got to deliver. That's it. Andy Reid took the chance because uh, there was a lot of uh, contrasting opinions on Mahomes. Some people thought there was more bust than boom. He was mm. a true boom and bust prospect, and you know he's taking boom to a whole new level. All right, as we wrap up here, um, I want to ask you. Two, two, last two questions, and then we gotta address the halftime show. Because, oh, I mean, <laughs> you know, so. and we and we talk about bets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kelsey. Oh my god, I can't believe it. I thought he was gonna get the ball. We did a. They sang over under one and a half Spanish songs. Dude, no pit bull. Unbelievable. It was like minus six hundred. They showed a rod. Remember we were talking they about did. that. Hey, Bad Bunny took over, man. Bad Bunny, yo, Spanish up. Okay, listen. Of these two teams. If you had to bet money, which of the two gets back to the Super Bowl next year? Because I want you to remember one thing. This really could be a back-to-back for Kansas City. Yeah, I would pick Kansas City purely off the fact that the NFC is a war zone and the AFC is pretty light. Yeah, it's it's, it's probably going to be them in Baltimore again. Pretty much. But, Houston makes strides. or But also, think about it. D4 doesn't line up offsides. They win that game. I know woulda, coulda, shoulda. But they'd probably be a favorite over the Rams. Yeah, and because you look at this, the 
as great as that game was, you gotta look at that week. It was supposed to be in Mexico, then they go to LA. It right, was a lot right, of right, chaos. That, so. that ended up being a home game for the Rams. Yeah. And you know, that's arguably the one of the funnest easily the funnest football game I've oh, ever God. seen. I love that was on a Monday night and, yeah. and the hype for it, like, yo, dude, everyone knew this game was gonna be crazy and it somehow surpassed expectations. Yeah, dude. I remember just in gaming the shit out of that over. Well, every time the boss were like, Yo, it's seventy eight, let's go. It's it's eighty seven, <laughs> let's go. It's ninety six, let's go. And then it stopped at like one ten. We're like, all right, yo, let's slow down. It's crazy. Game. There was like three defensive touchdowns for even the most Paranoid defensive purists out there. Even the defensive purists had to appreciate that because everyone's like, "Oh, this is bad for the sport." You still had your defensive moments. I, I do think of the. I think one of these two teams makes the Super Bowl next year. I'm not ready to give up complete stock on the Niners. Me neither. Not at all. I do think that they are a team who they have a lot of young guys that they don't need to pay yet. The guys that they have paid are at positions where it's like you know Quan Alexander. D Ford, Jimmy Garoppolo. I know Kittle's going to be up for an extension, so he's probably going to get. I think they lose Eric Armstead, who which would be a pretty big loss, but he's someone I think is going to cash in. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a can't good keep one too. you can't keep everyone. Yeah, pe- people are going to leave, but also you're right, dude. The, the, it's it's a bar fight in the NFC. There's legitimately eight teams that I could see represent the the. The NFC next year. Yeah, I don't want to go and list them off, but but a little team like Eagles are going to reload. You know, Seattle will probably get better. Seattle, <laughs> Seattle said Fred, that better be on prime time. Whenever those two teams play, they better be on prime time. Like, they're going to be better. Yeah, you got to figure the Cowboys are going to be in the yeah. discussion. The who knows what happens with Chicago, but Green Bay, Minnesota, Philly, dude, you, the the South, the, don't the the South might be interesting too. Yeah. It's just the NFC is just crazy competitive. There's only three or four teams that are kind of rebuilding. While you look at the AFC, just, just a lot of those teams are just like two years away. Yeah, too flawed. It's what just... does what does it what does it take to beat Mahomes? You think? Because we've seen him down twenty four. We've seen him down ten. We've seen him against the number one defense five and six and zero oh now against top five defenses in his career. What's it take to, to like stop him? Yeah, like to beat him, dude. I thought the Niners did a great job. I just think it comes down to offensively. You just gotta stay aggressive and get get a three score lead, and that's the fourth quarter. That's what it comes down to. It's just I thought San Fran pretty much did a great job for the most part. I thought like, I can't. It's hard to base like what they're you know what kind of coverages they were playing, but look, they really didn't have to blitz too much. They were winning up front with their front four, and I think that's one of the main key things. Like Giants against Tom Brady, they mm-hmm. won with four. They didn't really have to blitz too much. Until, you know, if they want to get Crave on third down, then that's understandable. But that's what you have to do pretty much. But any great quarterback, you just have to generate pressure, get them riled, clearly knock them off the rhythm because then you see some of those passes go more to the left or they go high. And next thing you know it, you get an interception off just pure miss by Mahomes. And, or even that third down, which I think was more of a desperation. A lot of people are being critical of Mahomes on that first pick. I think it was just third and 14. He wanted to take a chance. I wasn't that critical of it. I have not one problem if you throw interceptions on third down and you're like at midfield. I don't. I have I have no problem with mm-hmm. it. Now, don't throw interceptions in the red zone where you, that could. I don't want you throwing interceptions in your twenty and in their twenty. Right. Anything else, it could be viewed as a punt, bro. Mm-hmm. If it's well, on, it depends like, how long. It, like I thought Garoppolo's interception was bad. No, no, that's a, that's yeah. a bad one. Yeah. But that was also on second down, maybe first. Not to third down. Was it? Yeah, but. It just that, it, that, it was like a, a floater right to Breland. Right, yeah. that was. But what I mean is, if you're trying to make a play and it's like third and fourteen, it's like 
third and eight, you're trying to make a play and you force something and it gets picked off at like the 30 yard line. I view it as a punt. Mm -hmm. You know, I got to trust your defense, stop him 70 yards. Yeah, but dude, I'd rather that than you want Jimmy Garoppolo where he's going to check everything down and you're never going to get a first down. Like Eli Manning was doing that for the last five years of his career. It'd be just dump offs or slants. It's like, no, I want you to show me that you have balls and fucking put that ball somewhere and try to make a play, dude. I much rather have a gunslinger than a conservative. A conservative. I think most people would go that route. It just doesn't do like you know. Sam Bradford led the league in completion percentage one year. Oh yeah, congrats. Those Vikings Sam Enjoy. Bradford years were Enjoy. very very painful. You know. Last thing I want to ask you, a little bit of a controversy. Did the right guy win MVP? I'm leaning towards yes, just based on the more than too many standoff performances. I thought if Chris Jones had another player too, he would have gotten major consideration, but. Look, Mahomes, yeah, he strove for three quarters, but I thought he did a lot of good work with his feet. That's mm-hmm. one thing I credit between the touchdown, just the way he was escaping pressure. Because the second half, they were really ramping up the pressure. Did you hear about the all-time bad beat of all-time bad beats with uh, with his rushing props? Oh, because he lost like 16 yards on so the final drive. he had his over-under at many places was 29 and a half. And that's rushing yards. Mm-hmm. And he had 44 prior to that last drive. Dude lost 16 yards yeah. on kneel downs and shit. Ends with like 28 yards. Dude. Being a degenerate. One of the more one of the more heavily wagered props in the Super Bowl was his rushing total. Yeah, oh, man. Pays the price to be a degenerate. Oh, man. Dude, that's an all-time bad beat. You know, one time I lost about $7,000 playing DFS on kneel downs with your boy, Matt Ryan. God. What was this, 2016? <laughs> this was 2016. No surprise. Yeah. He's kneeling down the ball. And I yeah. went from first, which was 15K, to second, which was eight. Still tremendous. Yeah. But when you end up losing it by like 0.4, and it's because your quarterback took kneel downs. Uh, God, the DFS sites have to like figure out a way to like just get rid of that. I don't know if it's possible. But yeah, when it came to prop bets, how would you do? Um, Horrible. Oh, well. I went like 0 for 12. Yikes. Yeah, but I had Chiefs at the beginning of the year at seven to one, so hey. that was that was nice. So except for picking did, the Falcons, it did uh, it did well for me, and I did like the under. You know, way too many people were betting the over on you that. They call so, that, so you know, it's it's just something when it when when lines move like that too significantly, and also there was a big controversy, not a controversy, but uh, chaos ensued with the Gatorade color. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so like Wednesday night, the yeah. purple, which we're idiots because everyone was thinking about honoring Kobe and whatnot. Yeah. But it could have been yellow, <laughs> right? But also, I thought blue is very popular. But so here, here's what happened, right? Wednesday night, it's like 13 to 1. It's the biggest long shot purple. And then Thursday, it drops to like 8 to 1. And then Friday night, I go to FanDuel and it's like plus 200. When it's a scenario like that, where it's something that someone knows the outcome to. Allen works the Gatorade for the Niners. I work the Gatorade for the Chiefs. We clearly know what the color is going to be. Insider sources. Insider sources, right? What's going to be the first song on that Shakira and J-Lo play? You know, it's things like that. I'm always a little fishy. And all I said was just pursue it. Just be careful because it ends up being orange, which was like plus 600. And, you know, $100 wins you $600. But it's always, I'm always hesitant when it's something that the outcome is predetermined and lines move like that. I always think it's a little concerning and it's just a little sketchy. Mm -hmm. That's all. So, yeah, to answer your question, the props were, but I also did like a lot of dumb props. Like you did, you did sharp props. Like you bet. 
player totals. Which did not go well. Which I was doing like, you know, I did have Debo Samuel for MVP. Ah, 25 you, you to must one. have hyped first. Yeah. yeah. Um, Damian Williams, I don't think he was the MVP. I think the right guy won MVP. And the reason for that is because take away. I don't even know what that is, but that's that's uh, my mom's phone that, that we're recording as I'm going to get up to turn that off because it's annoying. Podcasting 101, folks. Um, I think that Damian Williams was not the MVP, and here's why. Because he scored a touchdown and got 38 yards on that last play, which the game was already determined. Yeah, It was 24-20. The game was won. They were just running out the clock, and he busted through the line of scrimmage, and he scored a touchdown. You take that away... I think it's no debate that it's Pat Mahomes. It's only a little bit of a debate, but I, it's always like Malcolm Smith. He won the Super Bowl MVP because he got a pick six when it was 8-0. Yeah. Like that's a game-changing interception. Like that altered everything, momentum and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's something that it needs to be. Now, as I told you before we started recording, if it's 20-17 to 17, and he scores the game-winning touchdown, and he has like 80 yards and a touchdown, then I could see it be more of a conversation point. But I think the guy, the right guy, absolutely won Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. Can't really dispute it. Last thing, halftime show. Oh. So it was it was very validating for me because I've been on Team Spanish Up, Latinas Rule the Universe, Latinas Caliente. Hell yeah. Right? You know, uh, big 305 guy. It, it was dope. I really liked it because... Like we were talking about last week, it was the perfect storm and the perfect people to have mm-hmm. do that halftime show because it's in Miami. It's the Spanish capital of the U.S., in my opinion. Like, what has a bigger Latino Nothing community? Nothing, right, yeah. than, than, than Miami. Yeah. So, and you have Shakira absolutely crushed it. J-Lo absolutely crushed it. They bring out Bad Bunny, who... By the way, you know who the real winner of the Super Bowl was? Was it Bad Bunny? Because you got a little action? Fucking wrestling fans, bro. Bad Bunny's a big wrestling fan. Oh, is it? Right, George Kittle, wrestling okay. fan. The The Rock does the <laughs> oh, intro. Oh, by the way, we got to mention the Rock intro. Dude, that got me hyped. Yeah. Oh, man. I didn't, I totally forgot about that. They, they, they run a big commercial for SmackDown during the Super yeah. Bowl with Roman Reigns and right, Sasha right, Banks. Yeah. Dude, the, that Rock pregame promo. I was like, dude, they got to bring him every time. This shouldn't be just my... Like, more company. Like, you saw the UFC use the Rock in November. Like, NBA, get on the Rock. Dude, in terms of like a pre-hype thing, do it. Frank Clark just cutting promos on people yeah. left and right. <laughs> Yo, Sherman must have given him like props on how to do it. I don't know. But yeah, the halftime show delivered after last year's dud with Adam Levine and they get started. You know, you're in Atlanta and you just barely use a big boy. I thought it was I thought it was perfect because they spent like ninety seconds on every song. And then right. they kind of just gave you like all their best the hits. Classics, yeah. And man. it was dope. It was just a really good vibe to it. And then you know, for them to like where was J Lo's personal trainer? I know he's getting paid very well. He deserves even more money. Like that dude, just at fifty to move like that. Jesus, man. That thing that she did on the pole. It was yeah. People are like, oh, I know Phil wants to be family friendly. Want to bring a pole? Look, it's listen. It's, it's in Miami. We're in Miami, there. and this this is this is the culture we live in now. You know, people show skin. Like people, everyone's like, oh, there was a whole boy. Is it Buck Cleavage was a big prop? Yeah, yeah. I don't know who determines it. I'm not gonna be the judge of that. But like, it's just people are like, oh, it's all this. Uh, it's too much of a sex symbol. Like that's America these days. Like, dude, go watch award shows. Go watch the Grammys. You know how much they show. Now I just saw people are like, oh, I thought that was trying to clean up after the whole Jan Jackson thing. It's like, look, man, it's Latinas, man. This yeah. is the culture. They show, they do sexual stuff. Deal with it, man. And who's hating on it? If the kids can't see it, 
bum the bed like I don't know. I just uh, Twitter. Uh, Twitter could be a very negative, toxic place. I think that's that was probably true. But no, I absolutely love the halftime show. I thought they killed it, and it was just great to see two legends do what they had to do. Because I was really down the last Super Bowl. I thought it was just not not just the game, but I thought they really blew it, especially being such a great city like Atlanta. But you know, salute to Miami. I I think uh, people are saying every Super Bowl should be either in Atlanta, Miami, or New Orleans. Hard to dispute that. It's gonna be interesting to see what the LA Super Bowl is gonna look like. Okay. Vegas is gonna get a Super Bowl. Oh, Vegas, that's gonna be a shit show. Who can I get for Vegas? I don't know, but uh, but still to my, I thought Miami did a really good job. Yeah, you know, the Chief fans took that over. They did, man. A lot of Chiefs fans. They took that over, but uh-huh. damn good Super Bowl. I enjoyed the hell of it. Yeah, yeah, it was good. So, guys, thank you for listening. Give us your thoughts on the Super Bowl at Veterans Minimum, where you can find everything on the show: YouTube content, Twitter content, Instagram content. We're on LinkedIn. We're everywhere, man find us support for the show comes from patreon patreon.com slash veterans minimum as far as i go it's at the lamb show on all social media outlets alan where can they find you alan underscore stirk that's a double l e n underscore strk oh and last but not least the very least the highest of highs nick chavez ryan pisner christopher velasquez Bo clore Corey Johnson Hoops, Derek Pleiades, Daniel Gibson. First of all, shout out to Daniel Gibson and to Ryan Pisner. Both of you guys won our Super Bowl Patreon boxes. Uh, Ryan got $150 and is getting some custom merch. And Daniel Gibson, I'm sending him some merch as well. And then my guy, my buddy Tommy, won two boxes. So shout out to you guys, members of the franchise tag and the Supermax Thank you all so much for the support for the show. And uh, also, while I'm at it, Nick Chavez, Ryan Pisner, Bo Clore, and Daniel Gibson in particular, as well as I'm looking through the list right now. Just a quick little shout out. Quick little shout out. Um, let's throw Tammy in there, too. She's close enough to it. Uh, Sam Quick and Eric Irwin. You guys have all surpassed or are close to $300 all time for the show donations. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate it. Your money is being spent really well on the program. So thanks again to all the members of the Patreon, but in particular, those of you that I rattled off. Bay Bay. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.